the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Got questions concerning elder or state law? Attorney Mike Connors has the answer. He's been recognized as one of New York's top lawyers by New York Magazine and brings nearly 40 years of experience to the table. His office number is 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Here's Mike Connors. We are gathered here on hallowed ground. Welcome to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. Uh, first time you're listening, hey, welcome aboard. If you've heard the show before, you know that we divide the show in a couple of parts. The first part of the show, we talk about estate planning and elder law. The idea behind estate planning is to pass assets from one generation to the next, paying the least amount in taxes we need to pay legally, avoiding going to court, that's avoiding probating, which is very important in today's world. And as far as elder law is concerned, trying to save assets from nursing home bills. Now, when we start talking about estate planning, as you know, many times we do have one of the attorneys in the office here, and we have one of our regular, Nicole Donnelly. Nicole? Hello, hello, everybody. Always a pleasure to be here. Okay, so you have a couple of thoughts that you wanted to talk about today. I've just been getting a lot of questions and a lot of very interesting statements. The most interesting that I find is when people come in to do their estate plan, we typically ask them about their family tree. We ask them about their assets and we ask them if anybody's disabled or if they're collecting or what's going on. So what I've been gathering is people tell me, well, no, I don't receive Medicaid benefits, right? I don't have a home attendant and I'm not going to a nursing home but I do receive benefits. And when you dig deeper, you find out there are Medicaid benefits and all of their assets are in their name and nothing is being protected and nobody knows the risks of receiving these benefits and, you know, having to go through probate. So I want you to tell all of our listeners what are the risks that they're running when they receive these benefits because they're getting them and nobody's telling them what could happen. Yeah, well, let's say for the sake of argument, somebody's on community Medicaid. And let's say you own a house, and it's pretty much the only asset you do have, major asset, and you have a house, and the deed is in your name alone when you pass away. Okay, you apply for Medicaid, you own the house. Technically, you're eligible for Medicaid. You're eligible for Medicaid if you own your personal residence. But let's say for the sake of argument, you receive some kind of benefits. If 
when you pass away, the house is in your name alone when you pass away. That house goes through probate, and when it goes through probate, Medicaid puts a lien on on the house. It puts a lien through probate, and basically your executor administrator cannot settle your state until that lien is dealt with in court, and that gives Medicaid the upper hand. Now, I mean, sometimes what you can do right now, and I don't know if they're going to change this, the city programs last that place the liens through probate take 10 years. So you have the choice maybe of waiting 10 years and see if the city doesn't change their procedures in that 10-year time. But that's you, you, your house may be frozen for 10 years, or worse, there could be hundreds of thousands of dollars of liens on the house, and you're going to be able to you're going to be forced to sell the house against your wishes because there's a city lien on it. So, you know, you got to be careful. If you're on Medicaid, you want to put your house in a trust. Now, I mean, there might be, if you have an only child, maybe you put it what we call a life estate with the only child. I prefer a trust in most cases, but sometimes people don't have enough money to pay for a trust. And then maybe we do a life estate deed, especially if you have only one child. But, People have to be careful, and, and and a lot of people are not careful because a lot of times, if you let's say you, you're applying for community Medicaid, the social worker may truthfully say, oh, you don't have to change the deed of the house. We're not going to take your house, which is true. They're not going to take your house. They're going to put a lien on your house after you're dead. Which means they're going to take it from your kids. So the one asset that you hope to leave for your family is will be left to them subject to Medicaid's liens which could change your mind on whether or not you receive or how you receive or what kind of planning you do. Yeah, and then ordinarily right now, if you put your house in a trust, you can apply for home care community Medicaid the next month. There's no look-back period for home care community Medicaid to re- receive, let's say, home attendance services in the house. There's no look-back period. Now, that's going to change maybe because they keep throwing the effective date back, but that may change March 31st a year from now. In other words... From what you know, we're broadcasting now, um, the end of February, beginning of March, depending on which station you listen to. So basically, a long year from now, 13 months from now, they're going to change the procedure. And they're going to put a 30-month look-back period in place if you apply for benefits after, or after March 31st, a long year from now. Which means you have to wait 30 months, depending on the circumstances. So if you gave... You know, if you put your house in an irrevocable trust, then assuming your house is worth hundreds of thousands of dollars at a minimum, you're going to have to wait 30 months before you can apply for home care Medicaid. So if you have a relative or if you need services at home, the time to do something is now and to put it, put your assets in a trust now, get the clock started, even if we're going for 30 months later. And at the same time, if you need benefits right now, to do it now and then go for go for benefits right away if you need it. But make sure your house is in a trust because if you pass away the, with the deed in your name alone when you pass away, then, you know, they're going to put a lien on the house. And a trust really works for everybody because it's a way to get the protection for the assets and still keep control. A lot of the times we hear, well, why would I put my house in a trust? I'm going to lose all control. That's not how our trusts work. And if there's a trust out there that you have that you feel like you lost all control, come see us because we should talk about it. Yeah, that's, you know, some people will say that and say, I don't want to lose control and trust. And they put the, the house in their kid's name or their brother's name. And, 
You've now lost control. Right. You know, you put, and, and I mean, this occasionally happens. You put the house in your son's name. He's going to do the right thing. He's a good person. He dies, and all of a sudden, his wife says, thank you for the house. Uh, by the way, when are you moving out? Because I'm going to sell this house. And you say, you can't sell this house. It's my house. No, the deed is was in your son's name. He passed away. He either has a will or doesn't have a will, but leaves it all to his wife. And the wife says, thank you. I want to sell the house. I'll give you a couple of months to, to move. And people get shocked at that, but it happens when people don't plan properly. Planning is the key word here. Even, you know, a lot of the times people have their names on other people's deeds just for convenience, just for a mortgage. Somebody did you a favor. It's very important that the deed read in a way that doesn't put anybody in jeopardy, you or the person that is on it, right? Because they may not even own the house, but all of a sudden they're older, they need services, and your house is coming up as one of their assets. And you're, you have your hands up like, how is this even possible? It's too late for them to just say, oh, no, I didn't own it, really. I'm just going to give it back. Yeah. It's not a good time. Plan in advance. Yeah, and here's one of the things, too, which happens occasionally. Let's say the parents co-sign for their children's loan when they're purchasing a house, and the bank or mortgage company says, well, if you're going to help purchase the house for your children, your name is going to have to go on the deed. And they don't even realize it. In their mind, it's the kid's house, not their house. But their name happens to be on the deed. Then mom or dad goes into a nursing home. They apply for nursing home Medicaid. Medicaid does a search and says, hey, wait a minute. You own a uh, property wherever. And he, if you live in New York City or your property is in New York City, anybody can. there's no privacy in whose name is on your deeds. Anybody can go onto the computer and check every deed that's been recorded in New York City for the last 60-plus years. Um, and so, in other words, if, if things happened where you deeded the house or your kids, you went on your kid's house's name, uh, deed because you were co-signing or you didn't want your son was married and you didn't want his wife to get the whole house and you put your name on the deed and then you go to a nursing home 30 years later, well, the nursing home social worker or the Medicaid social worker can plug your name into a computer and see every deed, every real estate transaction involved your name for the last 60 years. There's no privacy on real estate transactions in New York City. And I mean, in the other counties, yeah, they can check it. Not every county is on the computer system like the Long Island counties are not, but somebody can still check it if they want to. So when you ask how will they find out, that's how they find out. Right. And, you know, and again, the same thing. If if the deed, even even if you're, let's say you put your name on the deed and it's not joint tenants with right of survivorship, you pass away, your interest in that property is a probate asset. And a title company won't insure a title unless you go through probate. And if you go through probate and you have, let's say you went into a nursing home, that nursing home bill is a lien on your part of the real estate. So you need to do some planning in advance. You know, it's not something you just wing it. And it's not it's not rocket science, but it's not simple. You can't just say, I'll do this and I'll do that, and they're never going to find out. You know, like sometimes, let's say for the sake of argument, somebody, you know, they get into problems with the IRS. 
and they deed the house from one family member to another or whatever because of the problem with the IRS. And then the IRS can still put a lien on the house or the property because they can check on that computer and see that the property was transferred while the IRS lien was in place. And they can keep the lien on the property. And title companies know this, and they won't insure the property unless they know it's free of, of you know, tax liens. And the IRS, you know, very powerful entity. They can they can enforce liens. They can give you a hard time on this stuff. And I don't know what's going to happen if they – I don't know if they're hiring those 87,000 new agents or not. I don't think so. Carrying firearms. Yeah, they're going to shoot you unless you sign the deed back. And then what about those people who say – yeah, well, we're joint tenants with right of survivorship, so there will be no probate, but they're not thinking about their house, which is their primary asset, and this house that is technically a secondary asset or what would be considered an income-producing asset. Right, or a vacation home. Mm -hmm. How would that be seen by Medicaid? It's an asset. I mean, technically, you have a deed in your house in your name alone. You go to a nursing home. You say you intend to return home. That house, again, will not stop you from applying for Medicaid. But if, let's say, that, and the average cost of a nursing home right now is getting to be about seventeen, eighteen thousand $18,000 a month. So let's say for the sake of argument, um, you're paying seventeen, eighteen thousand $18,000 a month in nursing home bills. Then you run out of money, Medicaid picks up those nursing home bills they're not going to pay 17 18,000 a month but they're still going to pay 13 14,000 a month and they pay 13 14,000 a month for your nursing home bill they can add that all up after you're gone and their computers will say we have a lien on this property for let's say you live three years um $150,000 for three years is $450,000 that's a lien that you cannot easily pay off and the only way to pay it off is to sell the house and, of course, that's very dangerous if you have a co-op because if the combination of a co-op paying the maintenance and the nursing home bills before you know it, you could end up losing the co-op. And for all of my co-op people out there, when you talk about a trust and transferring your assets into a trust, if the co-op allows it, go for it. It can be done. It's but not- they're going to charge you for it. It's not going to be as easy as a deed transfer, and it's not going to be as timely. So if you're planning on transferring your co-op, don't wait till the last minute because things happen in between. The co-op is in limbo. Yeah, and this is one of the biggest differences between a condo and a co-op or a deed to a house and a co-op. If you have a deed to the house and a, or a deed to a condo, um, let's say husband gets sick, has to go to a nursing home. We can deed that house immediately over to the wife's name. She does a spouse refusal. The husband can get Medicaid to pay for his nursing home bill. At the same time, if you have a co-op, you're going to need permission of the co-op board to do the same thing. And one, you're going to lose three to six months, if not more. Um, the co-op may not approve the transfer into a trust because some co-ops don't like to don't like to have trust because they kind of lose control of who owns the the property the apartment or the residence or whatever it is because you know like if a trust somebody can resign somebody else can go in some so so some co-ops don't like that very much because they think they're losing control of who's going in and out of the uh, residence Mm. so they don't allow trust not every co-op allows a trust 
and they're going to charge you. And in some cases, they could charge you $5,000 for a very routine closing, and that's in addition to the attorney's fees that you're paying to set up the trust. So, you know, if you have a co-op, you want to protect it, you should put it in trust. If you're purchasing and you're, you're, you're thinking between the difference between a condo and a trust, a condo and a trust and a co-op and a trust, a condo is very simple. We can sign a deed today and, and the property's in the trust today. You have a co-op. You want to put your co-op into a, a into a trust. It could take three, six months. It may take forever because maybe the co-op's not going to approve it because maybe you've got a son or daughter that's disabled and they're not going to agree with your son or daughter who's disabled to put, you know, to be able to live in that apartment or that residence or whatever it is. And so, you know, it's not, it's not easy. It's not as easy. It's not impossible, but it's not easy. It's definitely not a last minute decision. It's something that you sign the trust and then, you know, it's an ongoing process with the co-op board to get it approved and to get to the closing date. And for everybody who has a trust, Please make sure your trust has an asset in it or it's funded in some way or it's being used for something. A trust, the assets have to make it in there. Okay. Trusts do sit empty for people who don't know that. Um, Our trust typically don't. We usually do a trust for assets or for a property. So we would transfer a deed. But if you have a trust out there and you're not sure what's in it, come talk to us. Because something should be in it. I'll give you, you know, because let's say you buy one of those kits, and and, and I'm not a big fan of those kits because they're loose leaf. You can take pages in or out. Somebody can change it without you knowing it. But the biggest problem with some of those kits, you're, you're, the, the people who are selling you kits don't necessarily understand what a trust is. And, you know, they don't deed the house over into a trust. Like if you buy something off the Internet or something like that, to record a deed in New York City is not easy. Let me ask you something, Nicole. Could you record a deed in New York City by yourself if we didn't have the paralegals here? No. And I couldn't either. It's not that easy. They're, the The forms are not that easy. You got to sign sign all the papers. You got to get about ten notaries. You got to file the the deed online with the city, and then you have to drop it off in person in a reasonable time after that. And it, it's not easy. And I, again, you know, I'm not saying our paralegals do it. Yes. But the exact procedure, I couldn't tell you how to do it step by step. And I used to do deeds and I used to, you know, type up the deeds myself and take them down to the recording office and, and get them recorded and get a receipt. But it's not that easy in today's world. And I know some older attorneys, when they first put into the system, were going to say it's unconstitutional to force somebody to get a computer to record a deed. And, you know, there was a point there, but I don't think anybody's arguing the point. That's before my time. I've always had a computer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but even now, there are probably some older attorneys who don't have a computer or don't know how to use it fluently. Don't know how to use it, probably. Yeah, because everything's... I'd give up sometimes. I used to do deeds, too. I don't even want to touch it now. So if you have a trust and you're not sure what's in it, definitely come see us because we want to get to the bottom of it. Right. You got to do your planning right. And you want to do your planning right. Give us a call at Connors and Sullivan. Okay, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes. Nicole, thank you for stopping by today. Always a pleasure. 
How can I protect my family if something happens to me? What if I need to go to a nursing home? What will happen to our savings, our home? What's the best way to give my home to my kids? Who will help us take care of Grandpa? These and many other questions can be answered with a phone call to Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, 718-238-6500. Mike Connors, one of New York Magazine's top lawyers, has over 30 years of estate planning and elder law experience. Mike and his team of professionals will help you protect your assets from probate, taxes, and nursing home costs so you can have peace of mind knowing you and your family will be taken care of and protected. I'm Mike Connors, founder of Connors & Sullivan. People don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. The time to plan is now. I'm Beth Connors. Call today for a free initial consultation with one of our experienced lawyers. Connors and Sullivan in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500 or connorsandsullivan.com. If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it harder to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress? A home equity conversion mortgage may be the answer for you and your family. Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. Give me a call so our team here at Contour Mortgage can show you how the loan program works and how much you and your family may qualify for. My job is to help you find the best solution for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this mortgage program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call and speak with me. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-954-7463. Once again, that's 888-954-7463, and you could be on your way to a better retirement. Frank Melia, NMLS number 62591, Contour Mortgage Corporation, NMLS number 34384, 990 Stewart Avenue, Suite 660, Garden City, New York, 11530, Licensed Mortgage Banker, New York State Department of Financial Services. Do you have somewhere to sleep? Did you eat today? Are you making ends meet? For thousands of New Yorkers, the answer is no. For children and youth, adults, seniors, people struggling with addiction or mental illness, and for the isolated, Catholic Charities of Brooklyn and Queens is there. With 160 programs and more than 4,500 units of affordable housing, Catholic Charities is one of the largest multi-service charitable organizations in the nation. We help change lives and build communities. If you or someone you know needs assistance, call 718-722-6001 or visit CCB. Time now for Connor's Corner, where Mike takes a closer look at topics like history, politics, religion, and more. Here's Mike. Welcome to the Connor's Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. You know, today we're going to talk a little bit about Bay Ridge and one of the institutions in Bay Ridge that anybody who's been here for a while knows about, Fon Bon Hall. And with us, we, we have the principal, Dr. Fred Heron, welcome to Connor's Corner. It's great to be here with you. All right. Now, tell us something about Fonbon. Well, Fonbon was founded back in, in 1937. Uh, I know it was 1937 because my mother-in-law was in the first room in the first day that, that the school had opened. Um, and the rumor, the story was that the Sisters of St. Joseph had uh, had. Uh, 
acquired the home at some point or another from uh, from Diamond Jim Brady and Lillian Russell in some way or another that they were connected. Um, we're told that that may not be exactly historically accurate, but it's such a great story that we're holding on to it because we've, we've seen some evidence of of that along the way. Of course. Okay, we'll get back to that <laughs> a little bit later. Don't but change the story. Describe Fonbon a little bit. It's it's right on Shore Road. We're uh, right on Shore Road, base of the Verrazano Bridge. And uh, since 1937, this has been a school uh, for young women. Uh, and with that, with that particular focus, that uh, that young women needed a uh, needed an opportunity to be able to grow and develop. Uh, to find their voices, to find um, a sense of their their own personhood along the way, and over time, I've been there for more than half of the school's history. Um, over that time, year after year, young women come in as uh, freshmen. Their parents will sometimes say they're a little shy, they're a little awkward, and they want we want them to find their voice. Now, I've always been astounded by that because. I've paid a lot of attention to to high school girls, and it seems to me that finding their voice is not really a problem, and their <laughs> parents know it. Their parents will say, oh, they've got a lot of voice when they're at home. Uh, they need to articulate their voice a little bit. They need to refine it. Um, but our task is, is to be able to help them um, slowly but surely take on leadership roles. The one thing we see with, with young women uh, all the research will tell you that if you put young women in co-ed schools, more often than not, and the number is somewhere up in the 80% number, um, the boys are always the president of the student body. The girls are, are more often than not the vice presidents, which also means that they do almost all the work. <laughs> Some things in life don't change very much. Oh, and my you know, but we want you know we want to be able to help shape young women um, who uh, who assume leadership positions in every part of uh, of their lives, and you know, and they start doing that on day one in high school. You know, you, you reminded me of one story though. But uh, Professor Alan Dershowitz, we were talking one night at one of the radio station dinners, and he said he went to Brooklyn College, and I think he was number fifteen in his class. And the 14 people ahead of him were all women. <laughs> and, and, and he shouldn't have been surprised by that. Yeah. I, I'll tell you, uh, when, when we look at, at the work that our, that our students do, year after year after year, uh, they, they are multitaskers. They can go from, uh, from playing on a softball field to working on projects together to being in, uh, in, a, in a home for the aged and, and helping to care for people. And they do it seamlessly. They do it effortlessly. And the best part, they do it with incredible grace. You know, and that's the thing we don't talk about as much anymore. But there's, there is a gift to being able to be, to be graceful with other people, to be thoughtful, to be considerate, but also to be able to stand your ground and and say what needs to be said when it needs to be done. Okay, now where where do most of your young women come from, and where do they go after they graduate? 
We're, we're in many ways, the classic Catholic school. Good Catholic schools are always rooted in neighborhoods. They're rooted in communities. And forever and ever, since 1937, our students always came from the Bay Ridge, Bensonhurst community. Uh, many of them would have come from, you know, somewhere in Sunset Park. Others would be in Diker Heights and uh, out into Bensonhurst. In the last 30 or 40 years, an increasing number of our students have come from the Rockaway Peninsula. Um, this year, looking to our incoming class, almost all of the students from several different schools, uh, the young women from those schools were coming out of the Peninsula schools and coming to Fanpan. We're a nice, easy spot to get to on the Belt Parkway. Uh, we're right on the way for parents to uh, to travel on into work after that. A lot of our a lot of our parents are are city workers. They're firefighters and police officers, civil servants of of all different sorts, uh, who uh, are working more than one job. You know. They're working multiple jobs to be able to support the work of Catholic education because they also value the work of their the work and the futures of their daughters. You know, sometimes I'm astonished too by some of the people like, you know, I, I don't know about you, but our parents who had to work very hard to pay their kids tuition in Catholic schools back whenever. And I mean, think back a hundred years ago when a lot of these schools were started, and you're, you're talking about immigrant families who prized education more than anything else. And that's very much true for, for our parents today. Uh, we, we work very hard, like every private school, to be able to support uh, people with uh, financial aid and merit scholarship money. Uh, we give about a million dollars away a year in, in merit scholarship and financial aid, which is, uh, for some bigger institutions, maybe not much, but for a school of 300 young women and 30-some-odd members of the faculty, uh, that means that we're constantly involved in the work of fundraising. Uh, we're constantly you know, looking to our alums, who are incredibly involved in the school and in, and remarkably generous because they know the benefit of of what we have to offer and they also know the sacrifices that their own parents made so we're in the world now where people are more and more in 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 all women's schools learning how to pay it forward that was always a tradition in men's schools but uh, women's uh, women's schools are slowly but surely learning uh, learning what that's what that means and where do your students go after graduation? Our students uh, will travel um, all around the country. Uh, probably about half of them will will go away to schools. Uh, a lot of them are accepted into the best schools in you know in the country, uh, Harvard and uh, Princeton and Boston College and uh, you know schools like that. But more and more, I'm seeing uh, I'm seeing our students also tend to look towards uh, towards high quality schools that their families can manage to afford. Uh, so they're going to look for the best state colleges around the country. A lot of our students are also increasingly interested in schools south of the Mason-Dixon line. 
Uh, and some of that has to do, I, I suspect, with places where their families may look to, to lo- relocate. Sometimes it works for them because uh, their families are snowbirds and they're back and forth along the way. Uh, and sometimes they're looking for a different, a different lifestyle than one you would find in New York in the dead of winter. All right. Now, I, you know, this is a side note for some of the people, but Florence Sullivan of Connors and Sullivan taught at Von sure. Hall for a number of years. She did, and I remember her coming uh, coming back and being with us. She was she taught there just before just before I got there along the way. But she would come back frequently and was always the most gracious of women. Um, she was delighted by her experience at at the school and some of and some of her uh, her family in later years came to Fan Pan as well. Um, so she is sort of, a, she is a, one of those local legends. Uh, every, <laughs> every neighborhood has, every neighborhood has legends, don't they? Yes, they you do. Know, they're the people that everybody sort of remembers very fondly, um, that schools remember very fondly. Uh, Maria Bartiromo, who some of, some folks in the audience would know uh, from uh, her work on Fox you know, Business on, Channel, on, yeah, yeah uh, was a student of ours back in the 1980s. She did reasonably well in math, I'm told, but uh, you know, <laughs> but uh, but has come back and been very generous to the school along the way. In fact, um, she she made a donation a few a number of years ago that created a television studio that we were able to use even today. So our alums, our alums, they do they do incredible work. Doctors, lawyers. Uh, you know all the rest of that work, but also people who are involved in in service work. Uh, a, a lot of them are folks who are involved in occupational therapy and physical therapy, nurses and doctors, and and all of that work with a real with a real experience and a and desire to uh, to give back. And some of that, I think, also I'd love to say that's all fun, fun, but it also comes from their families. They come from families who have. Uh, lived a life of service. Uh, you know, the number of our of our students who had parents who were um, involved in different ways in nine eleven um, is a substantial crowd. And uh, you know, and those memorials are always important to us because uh, they remind us of the work that they did, and you know, and and the commitment to service. Now, what order runs Von Bon Hall? The Sisters of St. Joseph from uh, of Brentwood are the uh, were the founders of the school. Uh, I have a, I have a particular appreciation for that community. Uh, back in in the time of the uh, of the Spanish flu, uh, my uh, my mother was uh, was a very young girl. She had two uh, twin brothers. Um, and my grandfather died in the Spanish flu, so my grandmother would leave the uh, leave her children every day with the sisters of Saint Joseph while she went off to work. Uh, and so the sisters were like second mothers to uh, to my mother and to her family. Uh, and she will t- she right till the end of her life would talk about how kind they were to her, how much they made a child who felt like at any moment she could be an orphan. Uh, feel like she was safe and and had a home. Uh, that's what we try and do in Fanfan too, to try and you know make sure that every one of our students feels like they are in a place that's family, and that's that's probably the thing that we talk about more than anything else. And and that's a, that's part of a Josephite tradition of hospitality and welcome, particularly for for immigrants and you know and for those in need. 
Yeah, you bring up the Spanish flu. I remember a, a couple of years ago when COVID was first starting out, we had an expert on the Spanish flu. And the number, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me because it just came up. But the number of people who died in, in that time period right after World War One, it's staggering. And it, it was particularly challenging because it seemed to hit young, healthy, healthy adults. And my, my grandfather was in, was in his uh, early 20s and uh, was in, by all reports, very fine health, but was sick on, you know, at the beginning of a week and dead by the end of that week. Uh, so, uh, you know, so in that in that world, it was rather a traumatic time as, we, you know, we never thought we would live through that tale again, did we? No, no. Now, how did how did the how did Von Bonn start? What what was the impetus? The the Sisters of St. Joseph uh, were looking to expand from St. Francis Xavier down in uh, down in Park Slope. Uh, the the school had gotten bigger and bigger, and uh, there was a moment when they realized that there was an uh, there was a community that that odd community. I, I had an aunt who used to call it the community out the line. You had to go out on the trolley line all the way out to the uh, out to the end of uh, the end of Bay Ridge. And uh, the sisters saw that there was a great need for for a school for young women uh, that would service Bay Ridge, Bensonhurst, Diker Heights. Uh, and and when they began the school, they began it with a, a group of seven young women uh, in one classroom uh, who uh, who were initially students from St. Francis Xavier down in Park Slope. Now, the the building you're at. Now, I was always told that that was Diamond Jim Brady, Lillian Russell. Now, you're saying that may not be true? Well, we've been told by uh, by people who seem to be in the know in, in the congregation that that was one of the great myths of of a story that, you know, had been told forever. Now... I hate I hate to let facts get all the time get in the way of an incredible story, uh, but here was the story that I heard as my my mother in law told it, and she described it as she remembered her first day walking into the building, and the the building itself has a grand foyer uh, with a balcony around the uh, around the center space in the building, and uh, in the four corners. She said there were statues of of women in remarkably suggestive poses, things not the sorts of things you would find in the local church. But the sisters had draped um, a, a cloth around those four statues in such a way uh, so that they were able to describe uh, the the statues as four sisters of the uh, four young women of the ancient church, saints of the ancient church. Uh, and and of course, as she said, back in the day, nobody would argue with any of the sisters about <laughs> anything. So if they said it was true, it must be true. Now, the other th the other space that I've taken people to, uh, when you walk into the building, there is uh, there is a lovely fireplace um, that now has become used by uh, as an office space. But the fireplace seems to stick out in an unusual angle, a little bit far from the wall. And what seems to have happened was there was a uh, there was a hidden closet kept behind the fireplace, which by all reports was used for illegal alcohol, which uh, was uh, brought into the into the city, brought up, uh, brought up to Shore Road and stored back behind the fireplace uh, so that uh, so the tax and revenue were not going to be paid on, on that at all. 
Now, maybe that's true, maybe it isn't, but when we put textbooks back there, it's such a great story to tell students. Um, <laughs> it, makes them, it makes us all feel a little better, you know, looking, uh, looking at that space. Well, you know, like, it would be a convenient place because you wouldn't go into the city if you dropped it off. And there were, there were peers and whatever in the Bay Ridge area back then. And at that point, too, I suppose, um, before, before the Belt Parkway had been built, the, uh, the water line came almost up to the shore. So it wouldn't have been completely unlikely, you know, or at least it's a good story. And, right. Uh, you know. Well, it's the same thing. I'm very disappointed yeah. about uh, Lillian Russell. But. Well, we were, we were too. It, it, you know, she was she was certainly sort of a charismatic character. Of, of course, when we talk about this with students, we say, "Oh, you know, the actress Lillian Russell," as if they remember who this is. <laughs> uh, you know, and you know, uh, you know, they would have a hard time remembering Jane Russell. Never mind Lillian. So I mean, you we, know. I think we need to do some research. Yeah, we can't. We've we've got two. Well, we could check. You know, we could. I guess check the deed records. That I never think we should. Me to do so. and, uh, and the congregation has been has been very careful about it. And I know, I know, we had we had a, a, a retreat day not all that long ago where um, where our, our our best dreams and you know and imaginations were crushed, you know, you know by the historical record. So I think they have done uh, they have done a pretty good job of it. But uh, but I'd, I'd I'd like to look for the counter history. All right. I well, you know, we, we go back that. to the man who shot Liberty Valance when the fact becomes a legend, print the yeah. legend, which is something you, you talked about with my wife and some of your students. So maybe get into that a little bit better. Well, I, I have to say, uh, on behalf of, of our students, um, we would love for you to come back because you, we, you did make a promise that we were going to watch the man who shot Liberty Valance. Oh, and, yes. And oh, yes. Can you just tell, uh, tell people why that was? Because this is what really struck our girls as, as being such an important lesson. All right. All right. Well, first of all, they'd never, they didn't know John Ford. They didn't no. know John Wayne. No. And that's okay. Um, we were at this lovely, a lovely event. Um, and I met some of the, there, there's a, a new science lab. Yeah. And, you know, it was great. I, for a while there, I was a chemistry major in college and I loved it. But so the girls, I'm thinking, oh, this is a great lab. And I'm looking around. Then I'm meeting some of these lovely girls. Oh, my goodness. And so we started talking about who knows what what all we were talking about. And then we ended up talking about movies and um, well, the Waynes. We were talking about right. the Waynes because right. some, some of them are a friend of ours. I love Anita LaCava Swift. She's my buddy. That's John Wayne's oldest granddaughter. And she's wonderful. Yeah. But um, so we were talking about that and we were talking about fundraise, how we had just come back from fundraising um, the Cancer Research Center. My brother, Chancellor Texas Tech and John Wayne Cancer Institute coming to get Cancer Foundation coming together to start um, to work together to fight the big C. All right. So that's how it got started. So I'm sitting there and, and there were other. By the way, know, the big C was what John Wayne called cancer. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> those, you know. You know, and he yeah. did not hide it. Back then, um, people didn't want people to think they had cancer. It was a hush-hush thing often, oftentimes. And he said, no, 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 I've got it. Let's see what we can. And he, he allowed himself to be a guinea pig 
to try new things to see if you know so they started the the family when when he passed away the family came in and did what he wanted and they started raising money for cancer research and for years and years they were doing that so i'm very happy that it's now in texas let's go texas tech and see if we can Get rid of some cancers there. But why? Why should the girls watch the man who shot Liberty? Valance? Okay. Because well, we we're, were running a little bit out. I'm of sorry. Time I'm sorry. Now. We were talking about all different things, and I and I said, look, and I was telling t- different movies, and I said, this if if you're gonna watch a John Wayne movie, a John Ford movie, this is the one you have to watch because it's about the woman. It's all, and I'm not going to, I don't want us to talk about it. I don't want us to go into the story because I hope in April, I'm going to go back to the school and we're just going to watch it because so many of the, so many of the movies, um, are not about women. You know, it's, it's the men, that fight. but this is a story and truly it's about this woman. And I tell the girls, this is a movie that lets you know, it's in, extremely important to make good decisions, you might regret them if you don't. And do you know, just recently, one of those girls who was in that conversation said to me, that hit me over my head like a ton of bricks. <laughs> that all of a sudden, from here on in, every decision I make actually really matters. And it was, it was you know, an aha moment for her. She said, I really have to watch the movie now. But she said, it, I would get so much more out of it watching all right, it with all right. you. Like I say, we're, we're not going to discuss plot. Okay. We're not and in April, we've got to do it in April. Okay, Good. tell the girls, you okay. know, yes. Uh, now that's a serious. That's a serious plan. I'm ready. Okay, I'm ready. I'm in for. I'm, I'm okay. in on it. Well, girls' night out. A couple of guys, yep. if they want to, can watch it. But we're gonna. This is, and I want them to watch it from, because most of it, you know, yes, they're shooting and everything else, but women have been a part of this forever. There's always a woman there. There's always a mama. There's always a sweetheart, a wife. There's a, women are always there. All right, Fred. Well, we're we're running out of time right now, but finally, can you do you have a website if we have girls or, or their parents who are interested in Fonbon, where where would they learn more about the school? They can they can go online at Fonbon, F O N T B O N N E dot org. Okay, you want to say that one more time? Okay, that's Fontbon, F-O-N-T-B as in boy, O-N-N-E dot org. Thank you very much for being Connor's Corner, Dr. Fred Heron. Thank you so much. It was great to be here. How can I protect my family if something happens to me? What if I need to go to a nursing home? What will happen to our savings, our home? What's the best way to give my home to my kids? Who will help us take care of Grandpa? These and many other questions can be answered with a phone call to Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, 718-238-6500. Mike Connors, one of New York Magazine's top lawyers, has over 30 years of estate planning and elder law experience. Mike and his team of professionals will help you protect your assets from probate, tax, Taxes and nursing home costs so you can have peace of mind knowing you and your family will be taken care of and protected. I'm Mike Connors, founder of Connors & Sullivan. People don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. The time to plan is now. I'm Beth Connors. Call today for a free initial consultation with one of our experienced lawyers. Connors & Sullivan in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500 or Connors & Sullivan dot com.
peace in my life. And I'm energized by new adventures. I've got friends to laugh with. And a good relationship. But even though I'm kind of comfortable, I sometimes wonder, is there something more? Could God in church be what you're looking for? Come and see at CatholicsComeHome.com. Do you know how many Christians live in the Middle East? Six million people. Do you know how many Christians need your help? Every single one. Do you know what we can do? With St. Francis in Beirut, we can give them hope. We can give them medicines. We can give them medical equipment. We can give them everything they're looking for. Because some others decided to remove Christianity from the Middle East. But if we will help them every single day, not just to feed them or clothing, it's all about giving them another day with the idea that they are recognized, that we love them, they're our cousins, sisters, they're our roots. So, St. Francis in Beirut, it's all about helping Christians. And you can be part of that help too. If you want to help Father Paul in his mission, send your donations to St. Francis in Beirut, 213 Stanton Street, New York, New York, 10002. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors, now accompanied by my wife, Beth. Hey, everybody. And my son, Michael. Hello, everyone. You know, that was shattering to me to find out that uh, Fonborn Hall wasn't, the house wasn't owned by Lillian Russell and, I think and Diamond they're wrong. Jim Brady. They're trying to change history. We have to look it up. I don't care who's somebody. Just is. I was going to say some don't let the Puritan, facts get in the way but, of a good story. Exactly. <laughs> Speaking of that, Michael, where if if somebody wants to email us a question, where do they email us a question to? If you want to hear it on the show, you're going to want to email us at askmikeconnors at gmail dot com. That's askmikeconnors at gmail dot com. Connors spelled, of course, C O N N O R S. Okay, and. You know, a lot of our questions are heard on Kevin McCullough's show uh, each Wednesday night on 970 The Answer. So just keep that in mind. And somebody wrote me the other day and, and asked about the toy soldiers. So where does somebody get find out about the toy soldiers? What what YouTube channel is that on? How do we access it to it? Just search... Um the that's going to be that's not going to be on our channel. That was posted by the um, the news station. Which news station was it that he, that interviewed CBS. you? CBS. CBS. Okay. Yeah. So CBS. You're going to all you have to do is search Michael Connors Toy Soldiers, and it should be the first result that you get on YouTube. So just enter the search bar Michael Connors Toy Soldiers. You should see Dad there standing with his one of his collections. All right. Now, I mean, a lot of people asking when are you going to do seminars again? In fact, people ask me that two, three, four times a week at least. Um, and we're not sure. We're probably going to do seminars the end of April. Um, you know, we have to check the calendar on that and make sure it doesn't conflict with other dates like Passover or Easter. But if somebody wanted to catch the seminar we did last year, again, where can we find that out? That's on, that's on YouTube, right, Mikey? Yes, that is correct. So where do they find it? YouTube, what do they do? Pretend you're an old man like me doesn't know how to do anything. <laughs> All right. So you're going to want to go to YouTube.com, and you're going to want to search uh, Michael Con Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors, Connors Corner Conversations. All right. That's hard to remember. I, I know it is. 
But I just want to throw things out. You know, some of the the, the numbers that we throw around in those uh, in, in that seminar on YouTube, a little out of date because we did that last year. But just some of the, the there's some big numbers in Medicaid right now. If well, you're if what, you're under twenty eight thousand dollars, like if talking about a single person, if you're under twenty eight thousand dollars now, you can apply for home care Medicaid next month. Like literally, if you're under twenty eight thousand dollars on March thirty first, on April first, you can apply for home care Medicaid for the next year. Also, as far as the state taxes, let's say you're on the other end of the scale, and you know you're worried about death taxes. New York State right now is six point five million tax free. So if your estate is worth less than six point five million, then you know we don't have to do any tax planning. If you're, but then maybe you want to try to save your assets from a nursing home. So in any case, in either case, you need to do some planning. And if you're over twelve million dollars, then we got to worry about approaching the federal estate tax limit, which is twelve million nine hundred thousand dollars. So if you if you want to do your planning again, you're more than welcome to come in and talk about it. I don't care if you got fifty thousand dollars in the bank and you you want to get ready for Medicaid, or you've got thirteen million dollars in assets in different states and you want to save in taxes, then give us a call at Connors and Sullivan. I'll I'll meet with you. You know, every once in a while somebody comes in. I can't I can't believe that you know you're here to see me today. I'm I go to each one of the offices every day of the week. I'm more than welcome to to see you just when you schedule, say you'd like to speak to me. Or if not, if the schedule doesn't fit, you can speak to one of the other offices, one of the other attorneys. So again, we'll be back next week. Same time and stations. Thank you for listening to Ask the Lord. Bye-bye, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. We're gathered here on hallowed ground to sing this story. Are you or your parents' assets protected from nursing home bills? Did you know these bills exceed $15,000 a month? People work their entire lives to live comfortably in retirement. But when people become ill and need to go to a nursing home or receive home care, the bills can drain their assets, leaving many people bankrupt. The good news is that you can prevent that from happening if you plan in advance. Connors and Sullivan's lawyers can customize a plan that specifically protects your interests, including your home. Schedule a free comprehensive telephone consultation with Mike Connors to discuss your issues and concerns from the security of your home. Call today. Call today. 718 Don't let Don't nursing, nursing home bills take, take your life savings, savings and leave, leave you and your loved ones bankrupt. bankrupt. Don't wait Don't another, another minute. minute. Mike, Connors Mike Connors can take, can take you through, through the process, process by, by telephone, telephone and start, and start a, plan a plan designed, designed for you today. today. That's 718 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.